Well, hey, we're so glad that you're here at the uh, jar this morning, and we are beginning a brand new series called Living in the Parenthood. And one of the things you know is that once you enter this particular hood, you begin to start hearing from your kids, you don't understand. Mom, you don't understand. Dad, you don't understand. Grandma, Grandpa, you don't understand. And to some extent, it's true. We don't fully understand what they go through. And the reason is, is because parenting is difficult. Wouldn't you agree with that? Any of you that are parents right now, would you agree that parenting, look at this wide range of people here that would say yes, it is difficult. Now, there are different types of parents. Some of you are parenting right now. Some of you are empty nesters. In other words, you're no longer uh, parenting on a daily basis. They've left the nest. And you just looked at all the people that raised their hand and you're like, suckers. <laughs> you're like, well, I'm so glad we're beyond, you know, that particular phase and we're not dealing with that. Uh, then there are those of you who are boomerang parents. Your kids left and you thought they were going to be away forever, but they've come back. And so now you're like, bye-bye retirement. You know, like you're not worrying about that. And uh, how many grandparents are here? Grandparents? Yep, several. And uh, grandparents, you guys have a great opportunity to impact the lives of your kids. And then just one more category of people, and that is people who don't have kids, who don't like kids, who don't want to be near kids. Don't raise your hands right now, okay, because you'll be considered mean. But I hope that you're going to learn a lot in this series as well, because the way that I'm shaping it up is although we'll talk about it through the lens of parenting, it's really about through the lens of healthy relationships. How do we have healthy relationships in all of the areas of our life? Co-workers, neighbors, friends, family, and particularly with parents. Now, what I want to do is to let you know that we're going to be looking at this through biblical kind of principles. And we're going to be talking about this in how we get healthier as parents and families. And before we get started, I just want to uh, give this uh, beginning statement. I am not an expert at parenting, okay? I am not an expert at parenting. I used to think I was an expert, and then 10 years ago I had my first kid. And then I've been clueless ever since. You ever notice that? People who don't have uh, kids are like, you know, this way I was before I had kids. I can't believe those kids are acting like that. You know, what is their deal? What's their problem? And now you're like, I get it. You know, that's not too bad. He's just climbing on the wall. No problem. You know, it's, it's good. And folks, parenting, it's difficult. But this is what I found, that I've found much more joy than pain when it comes to parenting. And this is what I've realized. Pain often comes when we don't do things in the right way when we parent or our kids just run off and they do their own thing on their own. Now, one of the joys of parenting is that you get to see your kids do some goofy stuff. And you have amazing stories about this. For example, uh, a while back we were uh, on this, we decided to take the kids on this little uh, safari uh, at a ranch. 
where you could see these exotic animals and you would feed them. And so they give you one bag of food. And I was like, one bag's not enough. And so we bought three more because we have four in our family. So everybody had their own bag. And you drive through in your car this little ranch and there's these exotic animals. And you would throw out just little uh, bits of this food. And there were goats and there were some deer and some different things. And it was all cute. And uh, I think everything's going well. And the windows are rolled down. And I notice in my rearview mirror our oldest daughter, Jordan, taking some food and drilling this animal that already has food in its mouth. Now, we have a picture of it right here. It's a greater kudu. And it has these gigantic horns. And Jordan's just like drilling this thing. And all of a sudden, this greater kudu gets upset. And starts going, then starts stomping its hooves. And I'm freaking out like the horns are going to come right through the car. We're all going to be dead. The car's going to be destroyed. So I start driving away. Well, this thing's so mad, it starts coming after us. We're driving through this ranch. I'm going as fast as I can and, you know, trying to get away safely. And here's this thing. And finally it stopped running. And I got back down to an idle speed. And I pulled the car over. I'm like, Jordan. What in the world were you thinking throwing that food at that greater kudu? And this was her response. It looked hungry. It looked hungry. (laughs) Well, I love the joy of parenting. And all of you have stories who are parents as well. And my prayer is that through this series that God will help you to become a better parent uh, than where you're at. That's my prayer for myself. And that you'll be very blessed. Now, one of the questions that I often get when people ask me about parenting is, what is the priority when it comes to parenting? What is the primary priority of parenting? And this kind of leads us to our big uh, kind of uh, idea this morning that will answer this question. What is the priority of parenting? Here it is. This is your first fill-in. You can do it on uh, the app or you can write it out. A parent's priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from them until it rests solely on God. It's to gradually transfer the dependence away from us as parents until it's solely on God. You see, as a mom or as a dad, your priority is to gradually transfer the dependence. Now, when they're very young, they're babies, they're tiny toddlers, they're very dependent on us, aren't they? I mean, they need us for everything. And over time, the goal is, is that you would actually create less dependence on yourself so that they would solely focus on depending on the one who knows them best and who loves them most. That's why I always, I don't want to raise children. I want to raise godly adults. Because at the end of our time, it's not about raising children. It's can we raise them in such a way that they become godly adults. We must teach them then to depend upon God. Now, the way we're going to look at this biblically uh, today is we're going to look at a scripture in Deuteronomy, which is in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. And we're going to be looking at it through the lens of a guy who I think gives maybe the best kind of teaching on the priority of parenting, and that's a guy by the name of Moses. 
Moses was the guy, if you remember, was there when the Red Sea parted and also the guy who was given the Ten Commandments. And right before this, he gives the Ten Commandments. He gives several commandments. And then he gives some thoughts regarding children. And starting in verse 1 in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we read this. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me. Who's being directed? Who is it? Moses. Moses is the guy. To teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. So they're in one land. They're getting ready to go into a promised land that God has given to them. So that, and what's the next word? What is it? You, so that you, and who else? Your children and their children after them may fear. And this word fear here does not mean to be afraid or scared or paranoid. It means to have reverence or honor for God so that you have reverence or honor for the Lord your God as long as you live. Do you realize that if you're a parent, not only is God going to give you the power to change your life, but to change your children's lives and generations and generations to come. But the question is, how do we do that? Well, Deuteronomy 6 gives us two important things that if you don't get anything else, these two ideas are very important. So how do we transfer dependence from us as parents onto God? Well, the first thing is this, love God. It's very clear in this passage, love your God. In verse 4, Moses says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. It's very important. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now, this was a Jewish prayer that Jews today pray, and uh, they prayed in the Old Testament times since then until today. The prayer is called the Shema. And this is prayed in the morning, at noon, and in the evening, every single day. And at night, what parents would do is they would actually teach this prayer to their children to a point that they could actually memorize this prayer and they could recite it. Now, this prayer calls us to love the Lord our God with what? With all our what? Heart. With all our what? soul and with all our what strength let's read this second sentence together that is underlined let's read this out loud together in one voice love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength now how much of your heart soul and strength are we commanded to love god with what's it say all says it three times all 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 so in other words Notice the scripture does not say you are to love him with some of your heart or a little bit of your heart or a percentage of your heart. But he says you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart. But wouldn't you agree that for many of us, we only love God with a portion of our heart. We only love him with a small piece. And the most dangerous thing that you can do as parents 
is expose your children to just a little bit of God. Not a lot, just a little bit. Many of you, you know God. You spend time with knowing God. But the question is, have you ever known him so personally, intimately, that when you wake up in the morning and throughout your day, you're constantly reminding yourself to have time with him? One of the things that I often do is I'll take my uh, cell phone and each hour I will uh, have it ring so I'm reminded to remember God, thank him for what he did in the last hour and then do it the next hour because I want to personally be in relationship with him throughout the day. Now the problem is, but let's be honest, sometimes I don't do that and sometimes I go hours throughout a day where I don't even think about God very much. And why is that? Because wouldn't you say there are a lot of things in this life that distract us? Do you have any distractions in your life, kind of distracts you, keeps you away from focusing on the things that are most important? And so as parents, often when it comes to parenting, what we'll do is we'll be like, well, the main thing I want to do is I want my child to have a better life than myself. That I'll do whatever it takes, but I just want them to have it better than the way I had it. And that's an honorable thing to do. And so what do parents start doing? They start pouring themselves into their careers in such a way that they want to get more things for their kids. That if I work more, I have more, I can give them more. And we're not giving our children what they really need. And what they really need is to understand that there can be a dependence that is not upon us, but that can be transferred into the one who knows them best and loves them most, God himself. We want to provide them with opportunities, which is important. But sometimes what happens, we get them so focused in on so many activities that the kids don't have a chance to simply be. And we try to do everything we can then to get them a great education. And so we do that. And before long, if we're not careful, this is what I found. We don't do it purposely, but it happens. We become child-centered parents rather than God-centered parents. Child-centered instead of God-centered. And our lives then become revolving around our kids first. I have a good friend of mine who uh, would tell you that uh, he wants to honor God with all that he does. And he would say that he loves God with his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He would uh, tell you that the jar is his church home. This is his church family. But I haven't seen him for months and months and months. And a little while ago, I uh, saw him and I pulled him aside and I said, Hey, man, I said, I haven't seen you in a while. What's up? Where you been? And he's like, oh, man, he's like, you know, work's killing me. I'm just working a lot of hours. I'm, I'm doing a lot of overtime. And uh, our kids, they're like involved in so many things. Every weekend we have something. And we've just become too busy for church. And when he said that, I thought to myself, You can't really say, I love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and not have time to worship with God's people in this place. 
You see, folks, church attendance is a priority. And if you have kids, it's really important. Why? Because if there is any child who gets to the jar, how do they get here? You? We've never had a kid that just kind of walked in and said, well, four years old, but I heard you guys had a good children's program. No, no, no. They always get here because of you. And when I talk with Jar Kids staff, the thing that they say brings the greatest heartbreak is when a child comes and they start getting to know Jesus and they say a prayer and they start singing the songs and you see this light coming out of this kid And then all of a sudden, the parents just get a little bit careless and they don't see this kid for a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks or five or a couple of months. And then all of a sudden, the kid comes back again and all of a sudden, you can see that they're wanting something more but they don't have that consistency and then they get pulled out again and this pattern goes on and on and on. That's why I always tell parents, If you want your kids to be consistently growing in their relationship with God, then you consistently bring them to church. Now, hey, things happen. People are involved in stuff. I get that. You go on vacation. But if you're in Muncie, if you're here, you make it a priority to bring them because that's how they grow. Because I'm telling you, folks, if you have that kind of pattern that's here once and then gone two months and you do that over time, there is no foundation that ever gets built in that child. And when they're not a child and they're adult, you definitely want that to be there. And it starts with consistency. So scripture tells us to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, with all our soul and with all our strength. That means that we love God, not just with our words, but with our actions as well. For example, my wife, Jennifer and the Holy Spirit Figure that out yourself, but sometimes they kind of say the same thing. Have uh, been on me recently about my language. Now, some of you might be saying, you mean pastors have bad language? Well, sort of. I mean, it's not like the really, really bad language, but sometimes I'm prone to say something like, that really sucks. Or, you know, I'll say something like, Freaking, you know, for example, last week we're in San Antonio. It was a hundred and five degrees every single day. And Jordan and I were walking along together when all of a sudden I looked at her and I go, Joe, it's like freaking hot here, isn't it? And she's like, yeah, dad, it freaking is. Well, I didn't think anything of it. That's a word I use. But later on that week. Her mom's around and we're walking together and all of a sudden Jordan out loud, she goes, man, mom, it's like freaking hot, isn't it? And all of a sudden she grabs her. She's like, girl, you do not say that. That is not a good word. And of course, you know what she said, right? Dad does. Now, I wanted to try to correct her, but I couldn't. 
Because where did Jordan hear that from? Freaking me, you know? (laughs) Now we laugh, and you might say, well, Chris, man, I say a lot worse things than that. that. That's not a big deal. That's not bad at all. But this is the thing that I have to ask myself. Are those God-honoring words? And the reality is, I can tell you the answer. No, they're not. I mean, if Jordan tomorrow goes to school and she's out on the recess playground and the teacher comes up and she's like, hey, Jordan, how do you like the weather? And Jordan goes, it's freaking hot, don't you think? I would be appalled. I would be upset. I'd be like, you don't use that word. You don't do that. And so I'm still trying my best to learn to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. So let me ask you parents, do you love God with all your heart or just some of your heart? For example, let's say that I go to your house. I come uninvited and I walk in. What would I see going on in your house? If I walked in after the kids have gone to bed and I sit down with you in the Lazy Boy and we're watching the television show that you watch regularly or other shows that you watch, what would that say about your heart? What would I say about your heart? What if I looked at what was on your phone right now? Like if we took everyone's phones and what you've texted lately and what you've looked up lately, we, we took all those and we looked at those, what would that say about your heart? What if we took your tablet or your iPad and we took those and we looked, what would that? What if I took your computer and we took a look at the last month of all the websites that you have looked at? What would that say about your heart? What if uh, I came into your home and I listened for a while? What kind of language would we hear? Would it be freaking or would it be maybe even something worse than that? What about your checkbook? Your bank account. If we were to look at how you spend your money, how would we say? Would it be honoring of God or not? You see, the best thing, folks, that you can do for your children is for you to love God with your heart and your soul with all and all and all your strength. Now, here's the second thing. Love God. Love your God. The second thing that Deuteronomy 6 teaches us is to lead your family intentionally. That you love your God and then you lead your family intentionally. In verse 6, we are told this. These commandments that I give you today are to... Be upon your hearts. Then verse 7. What do you do with them? What's it say? What do you do? Impress them on your children. Let's read that out loud together. Impress them on your children. That's what you want to do. You want to impress them on your kids. We talk about them When we sit at home and when we walk along the road, when we're driving them to school, when we're driving them 
to different practices. That's why one of the things I'll often do is if there's a beautiful sunset or a sky, I'll go, guys, look out the window. Look at that. What do you notice? And, you know, now, especially my 10-year-old, she's like, I know, God made it, you know. And I'm like, yeah, he did. Isn't it beautiful? It's awesome. It's great. Yeah, Dad, yeah. Or sometimes I'll say, come on, come on, everybody, we're going outside. And I know our neighbors think we're weird already, but we'll come outside and I'm like, look at the stars tonight. You know who created that? And he knows every one of them, and he loves you even more than that. And any time that you're doing that, you want to let them know. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. We lead our families spiritually. And you as parents are the ones who have been given the duty from God to lead them. Lead them spiritually. And it doesn't just mean on Sunday. Church attendance is a good thing to do for you to be here every weekend that you're in Muncie. But it's not just here. It's also when you're taking them to youth at impact tonight or on to small group anytime seven days a week it's your opportunity to give moments to be able to lead your families intentionally i read an interesting quote this week by edward the duke of windsor when he first visited the united states and this is what he said The thing that impresses me most about America is the way the parents obey their children. Now think about that for a moment. The thing that impresses me most is the way that the parents obey their children. So parents, question for you this morning. Are you leading your children or are your children leading you? Are you leading your children or are your children leading you? Which is it? And parents, this is what I want to tell you today. You lead. You lead. Lead them spiritually. You set the tone. You are the authority over your house. You lead them. The question becomes, how do we do that? Well, what I'm not going to do is say, well, here's seven steps on knowing how to lead your children. Because if you have kids, you know that sometimes it takes a lot more than seven steps to be able to do that. What I am going to do is to tell you that if you're going to be an effective parent or an effective leader, you have to lead them intentionally. That's the key. That word that intentionally I'm going to lead them. Whatever that means for you, you work it out with God, but then whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Now what I want to do is just briefly share with you how my wife Jennifer and I lead our family intentionally. Now, this philosophy that we have for our family may not work for yours. And I'm not saying that ours is right and someone else is wrong. I just was thinking about it this week that some of you might be like, well, how do you do it? Well, there are some cornerstones that we've worked hard at of saying this is the way that we're going to lead. Now, 
The first thing is you have to realize what our family looks like. We have a mom and a dad and an 8-year-old and a 10-year-old. That's where we're at parenting-wise. Now, Jen is a physician, and I'm a pastor, and so we, are, uh, we have time that is you know, just all-consuming. It's very, uh, our callings, our jobs, they're very consuming. So we have to have like a different philosophy of how we want to do this. Now, the first thing that we decided before we had kids is that we were going to choose to live in Muncie and we were going to send our kids to Muncie Community Schools. Now, after this week, some of you might say, you're an idiot, okay? Or at a minimum, you might say, you are weird. Well, the bunches, we like to like kind of embrace weirdness, and so we don't care. So we did that. Now, why did we do that? Well, one of the reasons why is because God told us to do it. I'm not saying that it's the right way. I'm not saying if you choose another school system, that's wrong. I don't know. But for us, we felt very called to do that because we thought that... The amount of money that Jen makes as a physician, we did not want that to impact our kids. And so what we wanted them to do was have as much economic and cultural diversity as possible, and so socially as well, and so that's what we decided. Now, I realize this is not for everyone. One of my best friends uh, has his kids in a county school. He loves it. It's great. It's wonderful. I don't think he's any better or worse than mine, but he's doing that because God has called him to do it that way. Don't do things just because someone else does it. Do it because God's directing you for what it is. It's not better or worse. It's just different. So that's one value that we have that we wanted our kids to have some diversity in their education. The second thing is, is that we really value reading in our home. Now, Jennifer has always been a big reader. Me, not so much. But after we got married, I kind of got converted to being a reader. And we intentionally lead our children in reading. We read a book to our kids almost every single day because it's a value for our family. Uh, the one book that they love for me to read to them is this one right here, Dance Me Daddy. Anybody know this book? Uh, you should. But you know why they want me to read this? So they can watch me cry. Okay? They're cruel people. They are. They're 8 and 10, but they're cruel. And I've never gotten through this book without crying. Uh, in fact, in the first celebration, I won't do it now because I'm manly. But in the first celebration, I almost didn't get through the illustration because the whole book is about dancing with your dad as a toddler and then on the wedding day. And, oh, man, I lose it all the time, you know, through that. But they're good readers. They love to read. And both of them enjoy that. In fact, my youngest daughter, Shiloh, um, she reads more books in a month than I did all the way up through high school. Not kidding. That kid loves to read. She wants people to read to her. She'll read to them. It's a value that we have. We lead our family counter-culturally. When the culture goes one way, we don't just go that way. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean that we as a family are going to do that. In our culture, it is very common for kids to have a TV or an Xbox or some kind of electronic device 
in their room. And we've just decided that's not going to happen. And so neither one of our kids have any of those devices, any electronic device in there. And Jennifer and I don't have one in our room either. Because I don't want my kids to go to their room to be able to be in their own world. I want them to be together because we value our family time. So we have chosen for that not to be there. We want there to be an identity. And so a couple things we do. The first one is we try to eat at the table four nights uh, a week. Now, for some of you, you do seven nights around the table. Great. Man, I wish I could get there. We just found that for us, our goal is four nights. And four nights, we eat around the table. Everyone's there. We're together as a family. Sometimes we have to eat later or different, but that's what we do. We have game nights periodically. We go on walks. We go to parks. Yesterday, our family went to Mound State Park, and uh, we just walked around for four hours, hung out, had fun, played on the playground because we value those times. We um, also have family devotions. Uh, Four nights a week, I have my accountability partner call me on this. All the family gets together, and we have it. Uh, If you have a good uh, Bible app, you have devotions for your family. So if you have the Version app, all you have to do is go and click on for kids, and it gives it. So like last night, we started a new one on Eve, and it was kind of the weirdest looking Eve I've ever seen before. It was an animated Eve. I know some of you are wanting to look to the side screens. You'll have to check it out on Version. But it's like this Eve, and she's like, I love the creation of the garden. Everything was, and she looked creepy and spooky and just... But the question was, you know, how do we see God in creation? And then my kids talked about, hey, you know, when we went to Mounds today, this is where I saw God, and that's what it was. And so four nights, uh, we try to have family devotions, all of us together. We play Rapunzel. I've had the long hair coming down from the tower, and I've been Rapunzel before, okay? So if you ever wondered, I have. And uh, we play hide-and-seek. We play flashlight tag. We want this to be a time of remembering that our kids are able to say it's great to follow Christ in the Bunch family. We lead relationally. Jennifer and I go on dates just by ourselves without them. We get get, getaway uh, weekends together, just the two of us. When we go on vacation, my parents have been very gracious to give us two nights and a week vacation where they watch the kids and we rekindle our connection with one another. Now, why do I want my girls to see this? Because I want them to know they're not in charge. In fact, (laughs) this is not a good example. I wouldn't suggest it, but I did it anyways. When they were three and five, they were fighting with each other and they were having some issues and they were talking about their mom really bad. And all of a sudden I stopped in and I said, your mom's number one and you're not. And all of a sudden this three and five year old, we're not number one. And all of a sudden my wife, Jennifer goes, shut up. Why did you say that? You know, (laughs) but I'll tell you what, they're eight and 10 today. And they will tell you today. If you ask them who's number one, they'll tell you mommy is because I want them to see what it's like for a man to treat his wife in a loving way. We are not child centered parents. We are God centered marriage. That's what we are. And God says to pour our lives into one another. Plus, I want my girls uh, to be able to see what it's like for a man to take care of a woman. 
So when some hairy-legged teenager comes along with a side-part, mid-fade, spiked hair with his little walk, and they walk into my house and they see the character, they will say, if he doesn't serve God, I don't want him. And that's my hope and prayer. We also live relationally. I take my daughters on dates. We go to uh, Kincannons. That's her number one place. We have donuts together. We love to be one another because I want them to see that. We live very counterculturally. And just because everyone else does something, it doesn't mean that you have to be doing it. Just because every other kid can stay out late or they have this particular thing, we don't give in to that. And you be the parent. You tell them, this is the curfew, and then give the consequences, which is always harder to fulfill with what it is. I read a story this week that I thought was just great. I wanted to share it with you about a single mom who was struggling with her teenage son because he was about 13, 14 years old, and he wanted to go to R-rated movies with his buddies because their parents said, yeah, it's no problem, you can do that. And the teenage boy said, Mom, it's really not that bad. It's just got a few little bad parts in it. Just a few, but it's really not that bad. And so the mom started praying, like, God, you know, what do I do? And God gave her this great idea that I think is awesome. If it ever comes up with my kids, I'm going to use it. She said this, I'll tell you what. She said, you can go to the movie, but first of all, I need you to help me make some brownies. And... He's like, oh, I love brownies. And he's like, can I lick the bowl? She's like, yeah, you can lick the bowl. But she said, I want you to help contribute this a little bit. And uh, he said, okay. And she said, "Uh, here's the spoon. I want you to take the spoon, take it to the backyard, and I want you to get one tiny spoonful scoop of our dog's poop. And this kid's like, Mom, that's nasty. That's gross. She's like, hey, if you want to go to the movie, you know, this is what you need to do. And he's like, all right, whatever, Mom. You know, you're wigging out. I'll go do it. So he takes the spoon out. He gets a little bit of dog poop. He brings it back into the house. And he's like holding it like this, you know, to give it to her. He's like, here. And the mom's like, oh, that's way too much. You don't need all of that. And so she takes the knife and she cuts half of it off and throws it uh, into the trash. And then she takes that little bit of poop and she puts it in the brownie batter. He's like, Mom, what are you doing? And she's stirring it all up. Then she takes it from one bowl, puts it in the next bowl, and then says, you want to lick the other bowl? He's like, Mom, that is disgusting. No way. And she said, but but it's, it's just a little bit of poop, son. It's not that much. And then all of a sudden, you could see that the... You know, the light bulb came on. He's like, oh, I'm not going to that movie, am I? (laughs) And here's the moral of the story. A little bit of poop goes a long way, folks. (laughs) Parents, it's easy to conform to the culture. Believe me, we battle it. We don't do it perfectly ourselves. It's so easy when other friends are doing things and other parents do it this way to go into that flow. I mean, just because everyone else is doing it, though, doesn't mean that it's the right thing for your family. 
Don't be concerned so much about your kids' happiness and making sure that they're happy, that you're not instilling within them a holiness and a purity of loving and serving God. So the question becomes, how do you lead? Well, there's a word in the Old Testament in the book of Proverbs called training. The way that you lead your kids is you train them. And this very important verse, for some of you, you should uh, circle it, keep it there so it convicts you. It says this in Proverbs 22, train children in the right way. And when they are old, they will not. What's the word? What is it? Because that's the goal for all of us, right? Like we don't want our kids to stray. Well, if you want that to happen, then you have to train them. And the Hebrew word for this word train is the word henak. Henak. Let's all say that together. Henak. You almost have to have like a. Almost like you're ready to spit a loogie or something, you know, like, hey, knack, hey, knack, okay? And that's exactly what God is calling us to do, to hey, knack. Now, this word hey, knack means the palate of your mouth. And what would happen is when a Hebrew woman would uh, give birth, the midwife would actually take some paste, put it on her finger, and she would put it on the baby's hanak, that is, the mouth, so that there would be this desire to have a hunger in such a way that it would nurse well for the mom. So parents, what I'm asking you to do is to create a spiritual hanak where you help your kids in such a way to initiate and dedicate and train them that they would want to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength, so that when they become adults, they see the fruit of it. Even as kids, they see the fruit of it, and they're like, I want to love and follow God. You see, folks, the the importance for parenting is to transfer dependence away from yourself and to the one who knows them best and loves them most. And how do we do that? Well, first of all, we love the Lord our God. And then secondly, we lead our families intentionally. And parents, if you don't do this, if you don't do it intentionally, and you just kind of wholeheartedly go through it, before long, what you'll notice is they've already grown up. They're out of your house. You're walking them down an aisle, and you're like, what happened? How did it happen? And so this is my challenge to parents, grandparents. Lead them. You lead them. Lead your kids spiritually. You lead them. And you become the person that God's called you to be so you can lead them well. Because the reflection in the mirror that your kids see is a part of who you are and how you lead them. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And lead your family intentionally so that you will train them. Hanak! In such a way you will train them that they will want to love the Lord their God. So that when they get older, they will not... What's the word? They will not stray. Let's stand for closing prayer.
I'm going to invite our uh, prayer team to come up and we're going to turn off the lights here. And if you'd like prayer for anything, they'll be up at the side screens. They would love to pray with you. So just come up here and they'll pray with you about anything. But maybe today is a day in which you're like, I'm not sure I've given my life to Christ. Like, how can I lead my kids or grandkids if I haven't actually decided that I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength. And if today's your day where you're like, I need to make that commitment first to love God with all my heart, soul, and strength, then back here in the corner, Chuck Mock is standing and Chuck would love to pray with you, encourage you, have you make that commitment. They'll give you a Bible so that you can go on with your life. And maybe you're a parent who's here today and you're like, hey, I came because of the series and we're struggling with some stuff and you just need to recommit your life to Christ. Go back there as well. Chuck would love to pray with you in the midst of that. Because God doesn't want just a piece of your heart. He wants everything, all of it. And if you're at that point today, you can go back there and they would love to pray with you. Let's pray. I'm going to invite everyone to just kind of close your eyes for a second, not uh, necessarily looking at anyone else. And I'd just like to give you a moment that if you don't even have kids, you're not a parent at all. I want you to reflect on this question. Are you leading your friends spiritually or are your friends leading you? Are you leading them your coworkers, neighbors, friends, people you go to school with, or are they leading you? And for those of you that are parents, I want you to uh, have this question that you ask yourselves. Are you leading your children, or are your children I mean, God is calling you to lead your kids. And maybe today you might say, you know what? I'm not the spiritual leader that I need to be. And Chris, would you just say a prayer for me? Would you pray? Would you ask God to help me to be a better spiritual leader? And if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Would you say, I want to be a better spiritual leader in my house? If that's you, just raise your hand. Say, that's me hands everywhere. That's me. Let's pray for you right now. Lord, thank you so much for hands that are lifted up. I pray that as we draw close to you, that you would overwhelm us with your love and you would help us to be able to grow as spiritual leaders. God, I pray for all the parents right now. God, for the single parents, for those who are battling maybe through a struggle of divorce right now, for blended families, God, maybe for couples here that are just thinking about having children. God, I pray that you would renew their minds, increase the desire in their lives, God, to spiritually lead their families. Rekindle a passion within them to lead those they love that 
one day they would surrender themselves and depend on you and you alone. God, we commit this day in this series to getting better as parents, to lead intentionally. And we thank you ahead of time for all the great things that you're going to do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, next week you have a little thing in your uh, program. Invite another parent. Parents want to get better. Invite somebody to come. And we'll see you next week. Have a great week, everybody.